right the there. The white Yeah. Okay. I'll be back. Rick, Rick Hergenreiter is in route, but it looks like we've still got a chair open for him, so that's good. Okay. So let me tell you what, uh, what we're going to do tonight. You will not need your Bibles, because I printed out the text for you. These are not duplexed, the, the last five. So if you came in late and you need a copy, you're going to get three pages cool. rather than two. Um, Who needs? Who are we talking about? You got, you got the whole deal. Three pages? I always think it's good if you take notes. But, I, I, but you bring up a good point, Jerry. And the sages are kind of split on that topic. Um, almost half of the sages will tell you that a disciple should sit and learn and absorb and focus on what's being said because we do everything orally. And you shouldn't be distracted with notes. The other half of the sages say, you know, it's you know, you got to take good notes because you got to review, and you got to, hey, whatever, whatever way you guys learn best. If it's to take notes, take notes. If it's to just listen, just listen. Um, but if you check that top drawer, I think you'll find uh, something in there that you want to grab. And if there's not enough in there, we've got surely we've got some more. Um, if something gets stuck there, just kind of deal with it. Okay, there you go. That looks that looks good. Yeah, yeah, work with that. There's others. Yeah, Sharpies. Yeah, that's what they use. Uh, the girls only have Sharpies. Anyone else? All right. What you, have, what you have in your hands is a copy of the New American Standard that's been Judaized, if you will. Um, and it's, it's the two accounts of the birth of Messiah. So... I thought in light of the fact that today is the federal holiday of Christmas that we would, uh, we would look to the Christmas story and uh, I've given you the text so that you can breeze through it real quick silently now and look at the text, one from Matthew chapter 1 and one from Luke chapter 2, that's part of the quiz if you didn't know where the two stories are. Um, I have bolded several phrases. And these phrases are the questions that I want us to go over. So we've got some Saudi class veterans here. And, and I need to share my heart so you know where I want you to go. And we've got some noobs. But in the noobs, we've got some seasoned believers who have read this story a billion times. So here's what I want. For those of you who have taken the Christmas quiz, if you haven't, uh, we'll try and get you copies before you leave tonight. Um, this is the first year, I think, that we haven't passed out the Christmas quiz a month ahead of time, so you could share it with your friends and family. I think we've actually got it online. Um, there's the chair for the senior awesome master chief sergeant thing. Oh, hey. Hello, my friend. Long time to see you. Friends. Friends, friends. Closer than brothers. So... My desire is, is basically that you're just going to read through this as I'm talking, and you're going to uh, hit some of those bolded spots. The, that's the class tonight, is those bold phrases. So I'm going to ask some questions, because I believe that as we read this story, questions should come to mind, and if they don't, we're asleep. We've just heard it too much. It just has no impact. So I'm going to ask the questions tonight, and my hope is that... For those of you who know the answer, 
right off the top because we've we've done them before or we've talked about it. You'll you'll just hang. You know, this it's it's like when you're doing a pull-up and you just want to hold your chin above the bar. Just hold your chin above the bar a little bit and see if the new guys can grab the answer. If they can, great. I'm looking for a robust response. Not an essay, just a robust response to each question that will come out of these bolded phrases. If the new guys don't know the answer, by all means, step up. Don't leave me to answer it. Okay? So just breeze through it real quick. Just uh, read through it. I mean, it's just the first part of Matthew and then the uh, second chapter of Luke. And, of course, we put in the Hebrew to try and make it seem different. Instead of reading about Herod, you're going to read about Hodos, as if you're watching the Lord of the Rings or something like that. Some Lord of the Rings music in the background. Yeah. Gentlemen, I'm blowing cool air for you. Because I figure we're either going to get a whole bunch of hot air in a moment. Is that just because Rick walked? <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> Ouch! I'm not on Team Morgan. <laughs> that's right. Okay, that's enough. All right. Can I sit or should I stand up? Caleb, you're in the back. Should I sit or should I What do you think? Does that work for you? That works for me, but I- you do have a clear shot. I can't see Rick Hargrenetter. This won't work. How's that? Is that working there? Gregory, push back just a little bit, bud. Okay. So the, the, first, uh, the first thing that I'm, I'm taken by is uh, in Matthew chapter 1, in the first 16 verses, you've got this genealogy, this lineage. And I've always thought of those as being boring as tears, and I, I really am annoyed at having to read them. I really am. And, and I've gotten a new lease on that now. When I come to realize that should the Lord tarry. And if the scriptures were, were being, at least the apostolic writings, were being written down today, instead of 2,000 years ago, my hope and prayer would be that I would read about your names in this list. That, that God would use you and you'd be written down. It would be your family that was written about. And with that in mind, it makes me want to read about these guys, because they were in the line. I, I wonder if they knew they were in the line. I wonder if I would ever name my kids anything like some of these things. Like Avi Hood. What'd they call him when he was coming home? Hood. Hood. Avi. Yeah. Um, yo, Tom. Yo, Tom. <laughs> Buddy. Yeah. Uh, the deportation to Babel, or Babylon. And then verse 17, So all the generations from Avraham to David were 14 generations. And from David to the deportation to Babel, 14 generations. And from the deportation to Babel to the Mashiach, 14 generations. Why is that bold? 
Why is that important? Who cares and why 14? Now, if you've been in this class, you should know the answer to that. So you should be mulling it down. I don't mean like Noah. Noah, how many times have you been here? Four times? Five times? Still, you know, it's, it's like less than ten, right? So you get a buy. It's, it's okay. Nobody's looking at you. Everybody look at Noah. See, nobody's looking at you. <laughs> Why 14? What's, what's the drosh? What, what's, uh, what's he doing? That's a drosh. What is the drosh? Set of seven is a cool way to approach any biblical text. Seven's a very cool number, but it's completely wrong at this time. But thanks for coming, Jeremy. <laughs> he is wearing a cardigan. But he's looking pretty swanky. And look, he rolled up the cuffs. He's a GQ kind of guy. Yes, indeed. Go ahead. I know you know it. Go ahead. They, don't, they won't do it. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. The 14 part. Why, why is it 14? What's the deal? What, what's the focus? Do you know? Fumbling on the 14. There Come on, bud. No, no, no gematria on this one yet, because this is just a straight drush. What is it? Uh, is it the lunar? Yeah. Go ahead. Talk about it. Mid-month is the full moon. Mm-hmm. You the new moon at the beginning. Two weeks later, you got the full moon. Two weeks later, you got 14 days, full moon. 14 days, no moon. And the sages used this to talk about the glory of Israel. They talked about 14 being the key. You'd start at nothing or something, and you'd go to the, to the, to the high point, and then go back down to something or nothing. So um, the biggest or, or most well-known one is leading up, those 14 generations, leading up to King David. And then, who's next? Shlomo HaMelech, Solomon the king. He's top shelf. He's the one who's actually able to build the temple that the Shekinah, the glory of God, dwelled in. He was the height. Israel's at its glory. People are coming up from everywhere just to, wow, what a place. What did the Queen of Sheba say? I heard it was awesome. But this is over the top. And the cheesecake is unbelievable. (laughs) Right? But then, what happened right after Solomon, that's 15, full moon, what happens in the next 14 days? We split the kingdom, we stop keeping the Torah, we start to get involved with the people of the land, we're not giving the Shemitah year, the land, its rest every seven years, and eventually, after the prophets have told us over and over and over and over again, that's it, everybody out of the pool. So we start with zero, we go up, with, with Abraham, we go up to King Solomon, and we come down to the deportation. So, because this is such a well-known drosh, here we have Matityahu, we have Matthew, who's actually using this drosh to show, well, it wasn't just then. There's actually another 14. And if you count the people in the list, you're going to get to Joseph being the 14th. And then the next guy, Yeshua, the full glory again. That's his, that's his focus. That's why you got some names missing every now and then, because he wants to make the 14 fit. It doesn't matter if there were 14 or not. He's using a drosh to try and say, Solomon was top shelf for us, and Yeshua is another glory. How can we talk about the ten- this second temple having more glory than the first one? It didn't even have to check it out, right? 
because we saw it depart. So how could this second temple be more glorious than Solomon's temple? We don't need the Shekinah. We have the visible presence. We have Emmanuel, right? We have God dwelling there himself in the flesh. Okay? So that's how these are going to be answered. Good luck. Next one. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 20. Yosef, son of David. Did I have more than There was two. Uh, one was Y14, and the second one was what's the significance of the people? The actual people. Yeah. Okay. Right. I'll just double check to make sure I picked up on Okay. Good, good, good. Yosef, son of David, do not fear to take Miriam as your wife. Gentlemen, why would he fear taking this woman as his wife? Why would he be afraid of that? She's with child. Well, I know she's with child. But why would he be afraid to take her as his wife? Yes, sir. Um, well, the, we studied a class on this just a few weeks ago about uh, divorce and remarriage. It would mostly have to do with the fact that she was pregnant before marriage. And the process, that's not good. That's not good. So, so that's not kosher. So what's the problem? She belongs to someone else then. Yeah, but why would he be afraid to take her? Because the, well, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. What would be on his head, Jeremy? The sin. Right? What sin, Jeremy? So if he takes her as his wife, what is everybody going to think? That he was the father. That he was the father. And the timing is all off. So why is he afraid? What's he afraid of? Reputation. His reputation. He's afraid of his reputation, men. Now, I, I ask you, we've got nearly 20 guys here. Are you afraid of your reputation? Are you fearful that you're going to do something, be seen in some place, say something, do something stupid that's going to damage your reputation? Because if you're not, you're not a tariq. We have to be mindful of that all the time. All the time. I had a woman going off on me this morning. She was very upset. And the only thing going through my head was, how, how can I respond? All that's going through my head was, how can I respond so she does not think I'm a jerk or later damage my reputation? And second, I'm just thinking, a gentle answer turns away wrath. <laughs> Let's work on that gentle thing. Forget New York. Think North Carolina. Hi! Okay. Please. Can, can you maybe define reputation? Because you know, I, I, look at it, I look at when I'm worried about my reputation, I also think of a prideful attitude. Absolutely. So how would you, yeah. are we talking about something different here? Jerry, that's a great question. Please. Uh, well, I think it's an excellent question. And what it comes down to me is, not so much your reputation, but that of God's. Okay. If, if, you're, if you represent him, yeah. you, can't, you can't mess up. I, I think as an ambassador, right. absolutely, uh, my, my conduct needs to be completely above reproach, and I'm disappointed with the actions and words of our own ambassadors uh, at times uh, for America. But I think that in this case, 
that's not what he's concerned about, other than as a righteous man, he's going to bring shame on the gospel, if you will. Um, go ahead. No, I was going to say as well, I always correlate it with like a person's name, like what they're known for, because a name sort of encompasses your family, where you've come from. So, I mean, your actions reflect on your parents, because they, have this, they share the same name. And, and your in-laws. Underneath you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> But also your your entire family, and so it's like instead of it, because I I've thought about that as well, and it does seem sort of selfish to be like my reputation, but that reputation really spreads yeah. pretty wide, and that's really what what you're worried most yeah. about. And I, and I think and I think you raise it right. I mean, there's two different reputations we need to worry about, and I would say if we're concerned about our own reputation for being thought of as a nut job, as some kind of weird guy who's got to talk about Jesus all the time, deal with it. That you're you're right. That's that's where you're, that's a pride thing. You need to work on it. But in the case where you're going to do something that's righteous. I think that's where we need to do what's right, and we need to be known for that. And I, I would hope that most of you in your places of employment, at your school, whatever it may be, have that reputation that, well, go ask him. You know he's going to give you an honest answer. Or go ask him. He won't mess with you. Or he's a righteous man. He'll know the, you know, that kind of thing. That's, I think, the reputation we want to have. But I think you're, you're on the money there with regard to Joseph's concern, his concern about his reputation. Now, oh, that's Joseph, the whoremonger, right? Who wants to be, who wants to be known wants as that? that? Nobody wants that. Even when you're in Harris Teeter, that doesn't work. <laughs> also, you know, you, Jeremy Compel talked about the man. Carrying for... Third, yeah. Do not carry uh, or take his name in vain. Exactly. Because we are that ambassador. Good. Sean. I was going to say that with reputation comes future influence. And so you'll never have, without the reputation, you'll never have an opportunity for future influence upon the people that you come in contact with. That's true. And I, I think just in our recent portions with Joseph, who had a reputation that was not besmirched, and did you notice that, by the way? It didn't appear that his reputation was besmirched even after the false accusation and he was thrown into prison. He immediately has a great reputation within the prison. He's put in charge, the whole deal. Okay? Another comment. Yes, Sean. Um, I want to follow up on what Shane said. And, um, the other reason is, in this area of um, you know, indecency before marriage, it seems to matter to God. And I know this because a couple weeks ago when we studied the divorce and remarriage, he said there was like a higher penalty to accuse a daughter of Israel of indecency. Right. That's right. Wasn't. That's right. Like it was really important to God in the Torah that you, <coughs> a reputation was not uh, besmirched. So, so, <laughs> um, so the fear may have been, you know, in this case for his, but maybe also for hers. That's good. Right. Jeremy. And does the, I mean, being that that's kind of the mindset that, that he's in, does the angel kind of help to calm his fears by saying Joseph, son of David? I mean, is, is he kind of almost appealing to that? Oh, I like that. I know you're worried about your reputation. I like that's that. That's how he addresses him. Is Excellent. Excellent, Jeremy. Yeah. It's, it's that whole 
You're a somebody because you're in the line. That's good. I like that. Son of David would take take precedent over everyone else sitting at the table. They get the head of the table versus all the yeah, others. Yeah, big time. Big time. Okay, in verse 24. He, that is Yosef, did as the angel of Hashem commanded him. What's the question? What did the angel command him? It sort of puts a torque on the way the discussion was presented to us. Yo, man, gee, don't, don't sweat this marriage thing. It's okay. It's okay. And he's gone. It, it evidently wasn't that way, was it? He, he did say, you shall call his name Shira. So yeah, that could be a command. That's, that's the one thing. Well, at least the way Matthew phrases it, that, that's the one thing that sounds like a command. You shall call his name Shira. I think the command implied was... Don't be afraid to take her as your wife. Take her as your wife. And name the kid this. I I think the text is telling us he got a command. And further, he was obedient. When? When he woke up. Immediately. He didn't seem to have any second thoughts about, was that a dream? Yeah, well, what did we have for dinner last night? Is that some kind of indigested beef? (laughs) Because... Which... Which is the second part of the question for this particular one? How many of you actually have had a dream, ever? Okay, did I get 100%? Good, okay. So, uh, so how do you know? How do you know? When it's God. What, what's the very first thing you need to do? Does it match up with the Torah? Why is that important? God's not going to contradict himself. Specifically, we've got Deuteronomy, back end of chapter 12 and first half of chapter 13, right? We're not going to add to it. We're not going to torque it around. We're not going to change it. We're not going to listen to those who do. Had a dream. I'm supposed to be the king of Siam. You know, you all need to worship me. You know, yeah, well, maybe not. Okay, right? What else? What else? How are you going to know? Godly counsel. Okay. It's consistent with the word of God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to talk to people who I trust to be men of God. Did Joe? Reputation. Yeah. A good reputation. Thank you very much. Not did, uh, <laughs> did, uh, did, does, is there any evidence that Joseph asked for counsel? No. He just woke up, he sat up, and immediately got married. He was a strong, silent Um. Did Abraham ask for counsel? I, as as a, as the lone Jew on the planet, I don't know that he he would uh, have anybody to ask. Actually, um, so how many other he needs to be looking, looking for? Father or uh, he could have consulted his nephew. He does have a good relationship with three guys that came to visit. Yeah. All right, we move on. Wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Why did wise men from the east come to Jerusalem? They seem to be stargazers, some type of astrologers. Absolutely. 
Why did they come? Why would they come? Where did they come from? Caleb? Because they knew that um, Yeshua was coming. How would they know that? From Daniel. I'm not going to argue. If you want me to flesh that out, we got a class on it. Their great-great-grandfathers were going to be killed by the king. And a Jew who had been taken into captivity in Babylon saved all their lives. I think he had great influence and certainly a great reputation. <laughs> yes, indeed. So, unbesmirched. Besmirched, by the way, is used in, uh, in The Godfather, number three. Okay. So are you saying it was somebody who would read Daniel that would be coming from I think either reading Daniel or Daniel having shared his dreams and visions of the future with those wise men or astrologers from Babylon would have then been watching. So part of the Jews that never came back from Babylon. Absolutely, absolutely. Because some of them were, were, were sorely in captivity. Comment? Well, I was going to say, it could be, you know, generations removed from the wise men. Well, we, we know. It's, it's we're 500 years. But what I'm getting at is true generations. I'm just saying, wise men... Yeah. Passing on the, the so, story. So now we've got multi-generational faithfulness, even outside of what we know as concert B flat Judaism. I would argue, I would I would imagine the man in the back would argue that these men came to know the God of Israel and worshipped him. There was, there was so they kept like Sephardic. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? Most likely Sephardic Absolutely. Who has been born king of the Yehudim, king of the Jews? Now, this is different. How would you characterize every description of Yeshua by the angels and everything up to this point, prior to this statement? He's the Savior. He's Messiah. He's going to save His people from their sins. But if you say that, you missed the genealogy. You skipped it, didn't you? I'm feeling a little tired. I'm just going to skip the genealogy. So all the generations from Abraham to David. Why are the, gen- why are the genealogies there? To show that He's of the line of David. He's not of the line of Levi. He's certainly not of the line of Aaron. Why would those three men matter? Levi, Aaron, David. Why are these three men important for us to know? Levi, Aaron, David. He can't be a priest if he's not from Levi. He can't be a priest if he's from not from Aaron. He can't be a Levite if he's not from Levi. If he's not a Levite, that's good. But it clearly says in both Gospels, it traces him down through David. Who comes from David's? The king. The kings. Okay. God put in place all three of those men. Now he chose those men. Exactly right. And in this case, he's been born king of the Jews. These guys show up from Babylon. Where is the guy who was born king of the Jews? Now, what was Hodos calling himself 
uh, in these days. Is it Hordos? Oh, Hordos. Sorry, Hordos. That sounds even more uh, Lord of the Rings. Hordos. Yeah. Who was? What was Hordos calling himself? King. King of what? He's king of the Jews. He's king of the Jews. Hi. Hi, welcome to the King of the Jews Palace. How can I help you? Well, we're wondering where the guy is. He's born King of the Jews. Uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> they must have been very secure in their safety to ask that question. Or <laughs> We saw his star when it rose. Do stars... Rise. Well, it's a logical defect. Yes. Well, uh, if a star is a planet. Perceptively. Planets rise. Planets rise. Stars look like they rise, I'm sure, because we're spinning, they're staying, right? Maybe um, over a long period of time. Well, let's be clear. When we talk about a planet rising, it looks, certainly looks like a star. But how often does it happen? Every, uh, cyclically. cyclically. Pretty cyclically. Like for most, every day. You may not be able to see it on some days, but it's rising every day. Why? Because we're spinning around every day. But with their different orbits, they come in contact with each other and overlap each other and so on and so forth. So it could be brighter stars versus it's lost. Granted, when would you say that a star has risen. Guys, if you don't understand it, this is impossible. It's got to be a new star for it to rise. These guys are astrologers, like Brock said. They're watching the skies. They know all the stars. They're watching them go and come, and granted, some are brighter, some are dimmer. Some are every day, some are every week, some are every month, some are once a year. We watch this one rise. Really? It has to be like a first-time thing, or at least a generational first-time thing. Halley's Comet. Was it, 76? 75 years. Okay. Granddad saw it. I saw it. My dad saw it. But that's a comet. Okay. This has to be something only, at least only once every, what, 500 years? Once every long time, if ever. If ever. So when you read about this, who do you immediately think of? No. That's who you think of. When you hear this, what do I think of? Who do I think of? We saw his star rise. That's very clever. Wrong, but clever. Mashiach. Well, yeah, that's who they're thinking about, but that's, that's it. Um, okay, okay. Let's do it this way. Let's do it this way. Okay. So... You, you close your eyes and you, you say to yourself, okay, I have to find the only verse in the Bible that equates Yeshua with a star. Thank you. Who said that? Cardigan? Cardigan said that, yes. Yes. Balaam. Now we've got a, a false prophet, maybe. We've got a pagan prophet, maybe. We've got a bad guy, maybe. Right? This guy says, I see him, but not now. I, something or other, but far off. And he saw his star. 
And he equates... Do you have it? Yeah. Oh, well, please, are you let me fumble through that? Uh, yeah, what, what uh, reference? Numbers 24, and I'll begin in 17. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. It shall crush the forehead of Moab and break down all the sons of Sheth. It's a, a pleasant omen for, uh, for those uh, Moabites. So, we got the star, and Balaam is the one who mentioned it. What does this tell you about Daniel? Daniel knew the scripture. It's as simple as that. He read the Torah and he understood it. He was applying it to his own day, but he knew it. He knew it enough to be able to tell these guys about it because we're assuming that the guys he's telling, these Babylonian magi, astrologers, wise guys, wise men, guys with camels, whatever you want to call them, he, we're imagining that these people do not know the God of Israel at the beginning. And after spending time with him, he's the only influence that we have there other than Shadrach, Meshach, and the bad Negro. <laughs> right? So other than them, and whatever, whatever folks went into captivity and are actually thinking about the things of God, Daniel's pretty much it. And as a result of that, they're actually looking for a star foretold in the Torah some seven, eight hundred years before they were born. That means that those guys actually studied the Torah. Because they're, they're Daniel, go over that, Daniel made enough impression on their ancestors. Yes, that, yes. Generationally, they... Genera- multi-generationally, exactly right. That's my point. That... He made such an impact. I mean, saving your life is big. But I mean, the lion's den probably was, was pretty cool. Yeah. But the lion's den thing, big stuff. Uh, hopefully this isn't a detraction, but we recently saw this produced video about an hour long. It's called The Bethlehem Star. Have you seen this? That is an amazing study. And if you know Tor, then you can see the, the slight imperfections in it, but it is astounding. It really brings you to a... Uh, uh, it, it highlights how all of creation speaks of the Messiah and, and the star, the constellations, are set up. Um, you know, it addresses astrology, but it's not astrology as you're not worshipping well, it's, it's, it's astronomy. Well, it also addresses astrology really? as well. And the constellations and their the Virgo and all of this kind of stuff, which is can be blasphemous right. to some degree. Right. It's still a constellation that's create, you know, that's out there. Amen. Yeah. So I, I recommend you, um, if you all run across it, definitely take your time. Do you, do you have it available for us? Do you have a link that you can uh, send us? I, well, I've got an order. I have to order. How much is it? It's only 11 bucks or something like that. We just haven't had a chance. We just saw it a few days ago. Okay. So if you're interested in that, um, we'll have a little... We'll have a little sign-up sheet, and we'll, uh, we'll see who wants to order it. That's good. Thank you. <clears throat> when Hordos, the king, heard this, he was troubled. 
Why? Why would you be troubled? Can't have two kings. Because Can't have two kings. He's illegitimate. Okay, that's good. We have these. Uh, apparently, they didn't have really. They, Matthew doesn't say they had an introduction, but I guess he kind of knew what they were. If these wise guys are coming and saying, "Where is the king of the Jews?" and I'm standing right here, that would be cause for alarm. Okay. What else do we know about Hordos, Caleb? I was looking at something else. Um, just the fact that they would be willing to walk up to the king of the Jews and say that, and the fact that later in the same verse, the very next phrase, and all Jerusalem with him, this was probably a pretty big group as well. That would... Swanky entourage shows up in town. All the cities abuzz. Big Middle Eastern camp. camp yeah, man. yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, if you're going to travel across the desert, you're not going to do it, you know, just you and, you know, your Volkswagen. Josephus is, is, is anything to attest to. I mean, Cordus was, to a extent, on his way out. He wasn't very popular. He, he wasn't king of the Jews in, in the eyes of the Jews. He was a corrupt buddy-buddy with the Romans, who even at this time, the zealots, and, and there's been pressure. So, so he knows that when a, a, a challenger is serious because he's not very popular. Well, there's, so, there's also something about him, Jonathan. What is it? Right, so he is a, a half-breed, as it were, right? He's been forcibly circumcised, or his parents were forcibly circumcised as an Idumean. Um, but we'll get into that when we do our history. But he's nuts. He has to be crazy. Here he is. He asks his folks uh, to look. Where does it say where the king is born? Well, we're getting to that one. Why do I know he was nuts? What did Caesar say about him? Daddy, you're better, better. you're better off as a pig. You're better off as a pig in Herod's palace than as a relative. He killed him. Why? He's completely paranoid. A threat to his, to his realm. And, Caleb, I think you raise a, a very good question. Why would these guys walk in and say, you know, we're here, we're here to see the king of the Jews. Where's he at? Well, it's certainly not you, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, these were wise men. Why would they do that? So that all prophecy would be. Okay. Well, right after the star, it talks about the scepter, right? So they're probably looking just as everyone else would. No question. They're looking for the king. No no question. But he's also walking into a place where they should know Torah, where they should know the lineage. Where would you go? Do they know where to go? Well, not to a point. Where would you go to meet the king of the Jews? To the king. Jerusalem. To Jerusalem. Right? So, they walk into Jerusalem. What, what do you, well, what do you think they were What do you think they were thinking? They're probably expecting him to be there already. Expecting the current king to have gone and found him and brought him there. Or that he would be the son of the king. Or even he was already the king. Right. Well, well, I mean, this is only a couple of years after his birth. I mean, and we'll talk about this later, but the Magi didn't show up at the manger. Exactly. Right? So we're going to get into that. Let's not, let's not have a spoiler here. We'll have to do a spoiler alert, right? But you bet. Wouldn't you think that the king of the Jews would, A, be in Jerusalem, and B, be in this big palace, right? Like it's the king's son. Being trained to be the king. Right? The king is dead. Long live the king. The king is born. Long live the king. Ish. Sort of. Right? Yeah, okay. All right. I think you almost have to, like, 
looking past what their actions were. I mean, what's their whole purpose of coming? They've they been to, watching they, the stars for so long. They've been co- this multi-generation like uh, account of you know they're waiting for the king of the Jews to be born. And when they finally see it, oh, okay, let's all go and pay tribute. Let's pay tribute. Let's worship this king. Exactly right. Last place they're probably going to look for a king, just from a sociology standpoint, is a sukkah. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. All right, you're moving along very well. How is our time? Are we doing well? Or are we not doing well? We're not doing well. We're not doing well. All right, let's pick up the pace, man. <laughs> I love it, honestly. I mean, it's, it's great, but we need to... It is great, but we need to <laughs> press through. Assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people. Why did he do that? Because they should know. Exactly right. They should know. They should study the Torah. See, why... Why, why should they know? Pedro? Yeah, I had something else. Go ahead. Yeah, you didn't bold it, but when we breezed over just a little bit, but in all your shit, I didn't miss it. Caleb mentioned it. Yeah, I know. That's really, I never saw it before. I didn't either. Like the whole city. Is in a buzz. I think they're all, they all know what Hordos is probably going to do because he's, he's oh. killing everybody. And so I bet they had an inkling. I think they got a special cable. Because he, he followed through, he killed everyone. He did. So, it's like, you idiots. Yeah. Don't ask for the keys. He's right there. Get out of here. Exactly. Coming back to the assembling chief priests and scribes, they should know because the, the wise men are like, well, we studied the Torah, and we know this. You and guys the are the actual Jews. The lips of a so, should preserve knowledge. Exactly. So, Hordos knows, if I want to get an answer, a scriptural answer, who knows the scriptures? They're the equivalent of Google at the time. They are indeed. They are indeed. And without, without having any technology. But it also tells me that he never consulted them before. Yeah, well, I won't say never, but obviously it was very rare that he actually sought out this type of information that had to do with Jewish lineage and Jewish history. Could, it could be. It could be. Because otherwise he would have known that he was born two years ago. We, we have a, uh, we have a, a, a serious uh, reference in the Talmud about, it's, it's Hordos, isn't it? Who, who wipes out the Sanhedrin? Okay. Bava Bambuda, the blind guy? Wasn't that Hordos? I think it was. I'm not sure. Yeah, at any rate. That's not why I highlighted this, guys. Why is this bold? Chief priests in plural? Plural! No! How many chief priests are there? Why is there only one? Don't say because the Torah says so. Why is there only one? Why is there only one? Because he's supposed to be active until he dies. Until he dies. And then his son takes over as the chief priest. How long does he last? Until he dies. So at any time ever... How many chief priests are there? One. One. Except then. Except then. The priesthood was corrupt. We're going to look at that when we, we do some more history. That was part of the major problem. That the Nevi'im had ceased, the priesthood was corrupt, and the kingship had been snatched. There shouldn't be more than one chief priest. That's right. 
what time the star had appeared. What is the point of this? So it's not hovering still. Correct. Gentlemen, if you write down anything tonight, the star was not a directional beacon. It was a timing marker. The star was not a directional beacon. It was a timing marker. They did not follow the star to Jerusalem. If they were following the star and it was hovering over the baby, they would have gone to Bethlehem, not Jerusalem. What happened? They saw his star. Time! Let's go see him. And they go to Jerusalem. It is not a two-day journey. It is not. It's not a two-year journey either, but that's just planning and appropriations and so on. All right. When they saw the star, they rejoiced. Where are they? Back in the east. At that point, they had headed over to Bethlehem. Where are they? Oh, I see. Place where the child was. That's where the star is. Where are they? They have verse 9 then. And behold, the star that they had seen right. when it rose right. went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. Yes. So the star was a timing marker. That caused them to put together their caravan and go to Jerusalem. But they couldn't see the star anymore. Then it appears again. Only now, it's over the baby. Where are they when it appears? Yeah, they're in Yerushalayim. Where are they going? Beit Lechem, the house of bread. Now, I don't really know how you follow a star, or how a star can be over a particular area. Must be hanging pretty low. Must be a pretty low-hanging star. By the way, can anybody tell me what description we have of the star in the Scriptures? There's absolutely no description. There is no description at all of this star other than it appears and disappears and then reappears. It doesn't say anything else. It doesn't say it's brighter than any no, other No, no, it doesn't say that. Ooh. But apparently the wise men knew it by sight. Yes, they do. Maybe it Which must be where it is. Maybe it's the color. It's like maybe the, maybe the location. Maybe it's Morse coding Yeshua. They are astrologers, so they would know when a star came out of nowhere. Right. Oh, oh, that star is not supposed to be there. That must be his star. Even the, even the Greeks would know that. I grant you. But I would say, if you look at the text, from what we're given, it seems pretty obvious that this star is identifiable. And we know... As Peter said, it's, it's got to be hanging low enough to be able to identify where the baby is, I would, I would say. But regardless, I'm, I'm agreeing with you, but I think we should note, this star has to have something special about it that would allow them to recognize it as the same star. It's interesting, then they saw another star that somehow or another they knew to follow and to look at over the... You know, with the big spotlight deal. 
All I'm saying is, it's got to be unique. Being warmed in a dream. Warned in a dream. Well, that's that's the only reason why they're able to survive is because Danny Boy was able to do the dreamy thing. Right. Exactly right. Like a dream was similar. Maybe they understand the significance of dream I would I would submit to you, gentlemen, that this is the second time we've got men having a dream, and there is absolutely no question it is from God. By the way, would you say that these wise men had some type of relationship, I'm not saying a saving one, had some type of relationship with the God of Israel? Why would they go all the way across the desert to see the king of of the Jews if they didn't? Now, then I would refine my, my statement to say, well, that means that at least two different men here, Yosef and the wise men, I don't know how many there were, it's more than one, both had dreams given by God that was indisputable and absolutely recognizable as being from God. Seven guys. I mean, if we assume there's three, or at least two. I think there's seventy-four. If, if all of all them have the same dream in one night, and yeah, that's, 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 confirmation. that's good. I like that. Do you do you get the impression that you could sleep through a dream like this? I mean, it, I'm not talking about waking up in sweats or you know something like that, but I, I just I, maybe I'm just you know putting my own impression on it, but I think this dream, you're sitting up in bed when it's done, with your eyes open, and you're looking around at the other six guys in the tent going, did, did you see that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, even if they had slept through the dream, and they woke up the next morning, and had, we're all sitting at the, the breakfast table having fruit and yogurt, maybe because they're of this sort of, you know, ilk, ilk, they're going to discuss, maybe it's a new thing. What did you dream last night? Ahmed, what was your dream last night? Mine was amazing, let me tell you. Uh, All right, remain there until I tell you. Now, gentlemen, I think I'm older than anybody in this room. I am still waiting for God to tell me something like this. Move to Charlotte and stay there until I tell you. I'm going to die here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> what do you think? What do you think Yosef told Miriam? It, I, I understand. He rose. That means in the middle of the night. And he took the child. Right? Sweetie, get up. It's time to get up. We have to leave. We have to leave? We just laid down. What are you talking about? I had a dream. Another, you had another dream? <laughs> yeah, we have to go to Egypt. Egypt, are you nuts? We just got all these presents. 
I have to go shopping. I have nothing to wear in Egypt. Those presents to pay for the trip to Egypt. Exactly correct. This may or may not have been a dream. An angel appeared to Joseph. Say again? This may or may not have been a dream because it says that the angel of Adonai appeared. In a dream. In a dream. Verse 13. Why is but, but I would submit. I would submit that Joseph does, does get communication at least twice from God. I mean, when's the last time that happened? That God directly communicated with someone from his, uh, of his people. Exactly. It's been over five hundred years. Right. Long time. Yeah. I think some people sometimes miss really the distance in the timeline. They think that it happens to just every single guy, and all of a sudden it just didn't happen, and That's we're right. not getting it. Well, it's that, more like. How many times has it really happened, to be honest? And, and that really is the focus of the story, that God had been silent for so long. I mean, the last thing you've got is Malachi talking about turning the hearts of the fathers towards his, their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. And it's been so long, hundreds and hundreds of years, the prophets have died out, and the people are starting to get antsy. That's what I thought of when it says remain there until I tell you, because that's sort of how God led them through the wilderness. It's like when this stops, you stop. When it goes, you go. The pillar. And it's, yeah, it's neat because <clears throat> that's good. the correlation there with the giving of gifts. But then they go to Egypt instead of coming out with the gifts. But it was to fulfill the prophecy. Well, it's interesting that uh, you bring up the Exodus because we know that Yeshua is the Son of God, and Israel is also called the Son of God. Isaiah. In order to fulfill that, and also to understand that his fathers came out of Egypt. Exactly. He had to go into Egypt in order to then come to out. To come out of Egypt, exactly right. Well, you think about uh, Pesach, when they stand up and give their testimony about right. when they were called out of That's Egypt. right, exactly. So, you've, you've got what happened to the patriarchs is going to happen to their... Children, um, I, before we get into Luke, just one real quick thing. I want you to look at the time here. I'm up at the top of the page again, Matthew 2.7. Hordo summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. Why did he do that? To find out the age of the child. Yeah. He's convinced now, talking to these men, that the star appeared when the child was born. So he wants to know how old the child must be. This explains why they chose two years old and younger later on in the story. Okay? Go search till... I beg your pardon? It just astounds me in what arrogance. He's working off of God's word. Yeah. It's come to pass, and he's going to try and keep that from happening. He thinks he has the ability to But you also have the depth of evil. Yeah. Where is he headed? Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, this is the same guy who promised his daughter, the head. Okay, so... I want to. I want to. I'm going to press you on some timing markers. Okay. Chapter two and verse one. Now, after Yeshua was born in Bethlehem of Yehuda, in the days of Hordos the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, "Where is he who has been born king of the Yehudim?" Do you think they came at night to do that? Do you think those magi showed up in Jerusalem? in the middle of the night, and demanded an audience with the king. They could have. Do you think it happened that way? Do you think that 
this guy would step up and want to hear them at 2 o'clock in the morning? No. No. So what's more likely? Big procession. Big procession coming into the city. The whole city knows they're there. They go up to the palace, and they ask to see the king, and they want to know. See, that explains why all of your shrine was troubled, because people they saw asking them they saw. on their way. That's right. Where should we find the king of the Jews? The king of the Jews. Well, Hordos. I mean, Hordos is the king of the Jews. Okay, so he's going to be grumpy. They, they all hear about it, so it's probably daytime. He wants to know what time the star appeared. I'm at the top of the second page again. Go search diligently for the child morons. See if you can find him so I can come and worship him. Ha, ha, ha. Okay. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. I think they got there at the end of the day. I'm just trying to paint it for you guys, see if it works. They got there at the end of the day. They've been hustling across the desert, now through the little streets and everything, and they just want to get to the palace. They've been asking people along the way, and that's the deal. They get there, and they're like, well, maybe we, we, it's kind of late in the day. It's 4 o'clock. Why don't we just wait? We'll get a, we'll get a room, a couple of rooms. We've got plenty of gold. And, and then, you know, we'll show up in the morning. No, 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 let's press through, let's, let's get there, let's find out where he is. And they see him at the end of the day. Go and find him, let me know where he is, I'll come worship him too. And now the sun's down, and they see the star again. Well, and they're probably Bethlehem, it's five miles from here. Do yeah, that. it's actually 12 miles, as the crow flies, it's 18 miles as the uh, camel walks. But it's still pretty close. Go. Riff here a little bit, just what I was thinking about, you know. Yeah. Um, kind of look at the traditional interpretation, and, you know, you just think of these guys sitting around, and, oh, there's the star, let's follow it and see where we go. But, you know, and, and maybe, I think a lot of people live their life like that, where they kind of wait for a sign from God, and then I'll follow it. But these men, I mean, they knew to go to Jerusalem from Scripture. They knew to go to Bethlehem from Scripture. I mean, the star was more of a timing marker and a precision marker for where the child was. Precisely so, right. And they never would have seen that star over the Bethlehem manger had they not already schlepped across the desert after putting a caravan together. And after their fathers had already looked for the same star and not seen it. That's exactly right. But had told their sons to That's right. To that's right. So that's good. That's good. They're not looking for um, signs. They got the sign. Then they started looking in the scripture. That's good. Okay. So we move into the book of Luke. We'll move a little faster this time. Each to his own town. How is that amazingly different from your life today? I'm not talking about the, you know, the Wright family living all across the eastern seaboard. That would be troublesome. Each to his own town. Shane, I'll see you. What's the deal? What's it talking about? Ancestral. Ancestral land. Why are they not supposed to move the ancient boundaries? Why is Leverite marriage even something we know about? What is so important? The land. And that each family have a piece of that land. That land was promised, and you should see the history of the people of God in that phrase. <clears throat> to be registered with Miriam, his betrothed. 
What strikes you? They're not married. What strikes you? She's pregnant. She's about to have a child. Registering together. Why are they registering together? Because they're both. She, yeah, she's the same age. Do you have any idea? She, but she's not from David. She is from David. Do you have any idea? Last year, what time Christine went to bed? I do. Why do I know? It is 10. Why do I know? Why do I know? Because I said it. I'm the authority, and I said she goes to bed at 10. What time does she go to bed now? That's exactly right. Because she's betrothed to Isaac. She's his responsibility. She is not sleeping with him. And yet, when we're talking about doing family things and whatnot, I don't ask her anymore. I don't tell her anymore. I ask Isaac. Why? Because there needs to be a time when the authority structure changes. And scripturally, it doesn't change on the day of the wedding. What changes on the day of the wedding is sex, guys, The physical relationship starts then. Long before that, betrothal means that the authority has changed from one household to the other. Now, are you a follower of Yeshua? Yes. Then He is your authority. It's not the church council. It's not the elders of the community. It's Yeshua. Now, he has delegated that which is bound and loosed on earth to the local assembly to make halakhic decisions on how to keep the Torah. But let's not miss the point that Mary did not travel from the Galilee to Beit Lechem with her parents. Where did her parents go? Where did they go? To the same place. They're both from David. They're both going down there. Who'd she travel with? Her parents? No. Her husband. But they weren't yet married. You get it? It's that, that changeover of authority is so important to recognize when it happens. There's a safety net built in. There's, there's generational faithfulness and experience there. Because the new guy gets to call the shots, but there's still counsel available from both sides of the family. But he gets to do it. You with me? Okay. So Mary is from David. I was confused because... They're both of the line of David. Because uh, Elizabeth is from... Zechariah was... We know, who, uh, we know Elizabeth is, uh, is from Levi, right? Yes. She married a priest. And they're cousins. Yes. No, no. What's that? No, I just didn't hear you. What did you say? He said Yeshua was also a Levite. He is not. Right. 
Um. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that's the opposite of the truth. <laughs> Who can do that with no help? Okay. But, they, but I'm just, because it's so late at night right yes. now, I don't yes. understand how uh, they could be cousins. Who, who are cousins, son? Elizabeth. Mark, Mary and Elizabeth are cousins, right? Mm-hmm. And one of them's a Levite, and one of them's from David. Mm-hmm. Is Elizabeth a Levite by birth? Yes, she is. They both were. And it would actually be a requirement for the priest to marry that way. So a cousin is just someone who's... But you could have married into somebody. Cousins by marriage would work. Mm. The two girls were cousins by marriage. So one of them is not really from the tribe they say they're from? <laughs> they're related to each other through marriage. But then, uh, in order for a Levite to be related to someone who wasn't a Levite, a Levite would have had to have married someone right. who wasn't a Levite. Which is not a problem. It's only the Cohen that has to marry a Cohen. Yeah. Right. Oh, okay. right. So a female Levite could marry okay. Okay. Luke chapter 2 and verse 8 in the same region close by why is it important they would also have been well but these guys are working so what's, what's important the temple I like the temple they're in the same region as the shepherds are in the same region as Bethlehem. Which is where Well it was, it was the flock tower, I thought. Okay. Hmm? Migdal Ader? Yeah. Right. Right? So what 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 type of flocks are traditionally we read from Josephus and from Edersheim, what type of flocks are actually being grazed and and dealt with here. We're we're looking for a whole slew of sheep that don't have any blemishes. So here we are walking them around, letting them graze. What do these shepherds have to do? Care for the They have to care for the flock that's destined primarily for sacrifices in the temple. And I don't know if you realize it, but there's do you how many of you, I have a scar right here. How many of you have a scar on your body somewhere? Did you, did you get it after you were born? Or were you born with it? How many of you have gotten a scar after you were born? Okay. Yeah, okay. Um, did you know that disqualifies the sheep? So you not only need to let them eat, but you need to make sure they don't get near the rocks. They don't get stumble. You know, you don't want them to be like, oh, they're fighting. Oh, my goodness. Stop, stop. Okay. And two are out for good. That's right. Keeping watch over their flock by night. I beg your pardon? It is nighttime, precisely why I wanted to bring that up. An angel appears to them. To them as well. Okay. So... It's at night. They're keeping watch over the flock by night. It is night time. For unto you is born this day. What time was the master born? Not what time of year, what time of day? It had to be at night, gentlemen. Unless the angel reads the the shepherds are watching their flock by night. When does night begin? Sundown. Okay, so 
It's after sundown, the shepherds are watching over their flock by night. Unto you this day is born a Savior, which is Christ the Lord, as it were. So, from sundown before sun up. This day begins at sundown and ends at sundown, but it's night time. So the master was born after sundown, but before sun up. That is a scriptural fact. He was born at night, but not last night. I know it's a city on the seventh. Yeah, it is. Peace, maybe. I've always heard that. There's modern day. What's that? That Jerusalem is called the city of David. It was called the city of David even back then. It was called the city of David back Jerusalem. when David was king. Well, it says, it's born this day in the city of Jerusalem. It says the city of David right there. Right, right. the city of David. You know, he's, he's, right. he's not the city of Bethlehem. He's born in Bethlehem. He's yeah. born in Bethlehem. He's asking, so I'm just, this is Jerusalem. Wait, oh, no, city of David is Bethlehem. Okay. Oh, no, city of David is Bethlehem. Okay. That's why they went okay. to Bethlehem. Did I say Jerusalem? You just said Jerusalem. It's a suburb. Well, I just had thought. Why did I say Jerusalem? Day. <laughs> if I said Jerusalem, I was wrong. Bethlehem, Bethlehem. sorry. Okay. Woo. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Real quick. Yes. Is the, also the keeping watch over their flock by night, normally shepherds, but our watch has to be at all times. Our watch, we have to be alert for what God is doing 24-7. I agree, but it doesn't have anything to do with the text. Right. It is true, though. It is true. Praising God and saying... Singing. Guys, I, I just want to be clear. If you're into the Christmas carols, there is absolutely no scriptural evidence, not any, that angels can sing. <laughs> not one. The word for sing in Greek is different than the word for say and speak in Greek. The word for speak or to say in Greek is you play with them as a kid. Lego. 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 It means to say. That's why logos is the word. You lego the logos. You say the word. You speak it. Now, if you look in the book of Revelation, you'll actually see people, men and women, singing. And there you'll see the other Greek word, the word for singing. What? happened here absolutely first thing. When the angel shows up, what does he do? Is Why is he noticeable? Paul talks about angels of light and that Satan masquerades as a, an angel of light. What time of day is it? Night. Okay, so we can see the guy. What does he do? He does something. Very first thing. What's he do? Calm down. Don't be afraid. Right. He calms him down. What's he do? He speaks. What's he say? What's he say? What's the first thing he says? Bring you the gospel. Fear not. He talks to the guys, and then what happens? They praise God. Right. The heavenly host praises God, right? With an angel, a multitude of the heavenly host, which is just more angels. And they praise 
God. But they're not singing. What are they doing? They're rapping. <laughs> Don't you do this? What are they doing? Tell, just go ahead and tell me what they're doing. Tell me how they're doing. What are they doing? How do you praise God with your mouth? Well, they're praying. It's, it's like they're davening. They are praising God out loud. People can hear them. And it's praising God. What are they saying? Glory to God. Glory to God. Are they saying the same thing? Is that the only thing they said? That's it? That's them praising God? No. It says praising God and saying this stuff. What are they saying? They're praising God. I, I don't know the answer. I'm just asking you. What are they saying? Thank you. Harping. Harping. Harps are mentioned. Harps are mentioned. Harps. They're harping. Wow. They could easily be harping. They could be dancing. Kadosh, kadosh, kadosh. We see that holy, holy, holy several times in the scripture. And that is praising God. And if it's those kinds of angels, then the fear not would be applicable. Because there's some scary looking angels. Absolutely. Alright, I just I just I'm trying tonight to get you out of your box. You know, what you see in the Christmas Christmas carol and the, the, the things and all of that. Just a bunch of hooey. Alright? I think we also need to pay attention to the last part of it. He says, Peace among men with whom he is pleased. Mm. He is pleased with, at this specific moment in time, apparently, the angels, you know, they're there. They know that he is pleased with men. Man. Which men? Which, well, I, I would venture to say the wise men and Joseph have been particularly obedient. Well, oh, so 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 the answer is I obedient think- men. So you just gave us the red herrings with the wise men and Joseph and all of that. With whom is he pleased? Obedient right. With obedient men is your answer. Well, Go. Yeah, but you're not buying that. That can lead you into all sorts of trouble. Really? So, so we should be disobedient? I think this is a salvific <laughs> message. This is a salvific message. Yeah, this so, is like the core of the gospel. So he's only going pl- to save those who, with whom he's pleased? There's for those people that God has chosen. There's true so, oh, I, I'm sorry. I, I missed it. I missed the chosen. That's it. With whom he is pleased. With whom he's pleased. So, so we're going to torque that into the Presbyterian. With whom he is pleased. With which he's with whom he is chosen. With whom he is pleased. What what pleases God? What what does please God? That's homework, by the way. Who and what pleases God? According to according to according to the Apostle Peter here. It is strictly those with whom he has chosen. Now, he gets a bye because we know he's pleased with the chosen, but, you know. I mean, you can't... I don't think... A, I don't think... A, a, and I'll use some $9 inappropriate terms, but I don't think an unregenerate sinner is pleasing to God. So that's the whole point. Okay. We can't listen to all of when we know he is. Yeah. Oh. I didn't hear him. What is it, something about Sephardic Jews? What, what did he say? What did he say? Clearly, God's chosen the children of Israel, yet he was not always. Actually, I would venture. That's not what we're talking about. 
I would venture to say that most of the time he wasn't pleased with his joke. Well, well, while both of those comments are surely true, I think Peter, keeping it in context, is extraordinarily on the money with regard to the salvific tone. This whole thing is about salvation. And that there is shalom with whom he is pleased. I think the question is begged. How do I please God? Now, in the visible church, we have been taught, you can't know whether or not your life is pleasing to God. We've been taught that it's not possible to know that and to please Him. And yet, we've already found, at least those of us sitting here, that we can, in fact, know that our lives are a pleasing aroma, that we are, in fact, pleasing our Master. Because if you love me, you'll... Keep my commandments. Keep my commandments. So, I like that. It's very serious. So we have six minutes to finish. Outstanding. <laughs> they went with haste and found Miriam and Yosef. How did they know where to look? Well, the angel said the city of David. Well, they, they're right outside the city of David. Where did they look? Any place with stars hanging really low. Hey, stars hanging really low, so looking for the brightest spot. They didn't hear about the star, though. We don't even know that the star is still there. And, of course, the star and the wise guys are two, two and a half years later. So the star is not there. Are we searching the Sukkot? I think that's what I was looking for. They are not banging on every door. Do you? Can you look in my shed right now? Can you? No. You can't look in my shed right now? You think my shed is locked? If I had animals out there. And they're in a barn. Do you think the barn would be locked with the animals inside? No, no. no. The barn is open. The animals are inside. There's a corral. Where are they looking? They already know a feeding trough. So they're looking for a baby out with the animals. Why do they know that? Rocky. They've been told that. That's the sign. So, so they don't have to go banging on everybody. Hi, we're looking for the kid. Have you got the kid? No kid. No kid? Where is the kid? didn't have room? Oh, okay. No. See, they're looking only where the animals are. That's, that'll preach, guys. I mean, they're looking for the Savior only where animals are. Okay? So I would say, if you think about it, even in a farming community, which... This wasn't. This is was, was less farming and more agrarian, if you will, with uh, animals and livestock. Would you think you got a one-to-one ratio with houses to, far- uh, houses to sukkahs or houses to barns or less than one-to-one? I mean, you got a, you got a coppersmith. you got the guy who's shoeing the horses. The shepherds probably could count on both hands how many people actually had livestock. And they would actually probably know. Exactly. Here's people taking care of animals. Guys, he's with the animals. Do you get it? Do you see it now? This is not, not, not by accident. The child is with the animals. Here are guys. What are they doing? Caring for animals. He's with the animals. Okay. And if they were in the region, I mean, maybe they knew a lot of people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, Shmuel. Did you look at Shmuel's barn? I haven't been in there. Go check that one. All who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. What did you just read about? 
It's exactly right. This is evangelism, guys. They've heard about the Messiah, and they are telling people. At this point, whether it is... And when they saw it, what did they see? What's the it? The it is the manger. The it is the manger. It's not when they saw him. When they saw it, the child sitting in the manger wrapped in swaddling clothes, when they saw that, the sign, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. I think they created a ruckus. They went shouting around, and then they came back. Unbelievable. You've got evangelism going on right here. That was actually encouraging to Mary. I bet it was. In verse 19, I hadn't. Yep. She treasured those things in his heart, kind of quietly uh, keeping that journal. You know, she says that when the wise men right? Was it that or when uh, the angel first speaks to her? Or yeah, the, the angel shows up the first time when Gabriel comes up. She, she so pondered she, these things in her heart. Did she the same thing also when the wise men showed up and when Yeshua was speaking in the temple? I was going to say, I remember. I, I'm not sure about the wise men, but you're probably right. She definitely does a lot of treasuring. Just treasuring in her heart, yes. At the end of eight days when he was circumcised, he was called Yeshua. Who named him? Who named him? The dad names the kid. When does he name the kid? When does a Jew name his son? At the circumcision. At the Brit Milah. Why did he name Yeshua? Because of verse Matthew 1.21. Because God told him. The angel told him to name him Yeshua. And he did. Obedience to God is as simple as that. God said it. I'm going to do it. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. God said it. That settles it. It doesn't matter whether you believe it. When the time came for their purification. Whose purification? Mary. It says there, not Mary her. And, and the, uh, the Mary and the child. Mary and the child. Yeah. So, when did the time come? Thirty-three days for a boy, the wife is considered Tame. Afterwards, she is required to make sacrifice in the temple in order to alleviate that. If they can't afford to make sacrifice, they can just offer a couple of, of birds. 33 days. 66 for women. Don't ask me why. Well, so, where was he circumcised? Where did the moil go to circumcise the boy? Maybe Yosef did it by himself. He's a carpenter. In the synagogue would be the synagogue or the home is the most likely places. The synagogue is in what town? Bethlehem. The, the, the place they're staying 
obviously is no longer the inn that didn't have any room, but they are evidently living in Beit Lechem. Why? That's where they're from. They're from there. We've still got the census thing going on. It's not like they can just book. Well, and she's Tamei. Might as well chill here until you go up to the temple. So, eight days later, either in the synagogue or at the house, the Moyle does his deal. The baby is now named. When do they go to Jerusalem? 33, 34, it wasn't 33, 34, 35, you know, the days when the time came, it's up. Now they can go up to Jerusalem. Why? It's, just, it's clear. They want to do, they want to be obedient. All right. To offer a sacrifice. Now, I guess this is before the cross, so sacrifices are still okay. <laughs> This man was righteous. This man was righteous. And this is Luke, right? Yes. So did Luke actually know this man? Or was this a second-hand account? My question was simply, is that possible? How can a man have a reputation, to your point, of being righteous? He's obedient. If he's obedient. Are we talking about the righteousness that leads to life? Or are we talking about, as I've heard it called, forensic righteousness or temporal righteousness or the righteousness that comes through obedience? There's two different kinds, right? Holy Spirit's on it. Oh, the Holy Spirit's on him. So he's righteous because the Holy Spirit's on him? Hmm. Well, wasn't, you wasn't, this the same, wasn't this the same one who, who was told by God that he would not leave? He would not die until he saw the glory? Yes, but what does that have to do about him being righteous? But, so, it says Abraham was a righteous man. Like, people called Abraham a righteous man. Yes. And... When Abraham obeyed God, God credited it to his account as righteousness. Okay. So, so obedience, by obedience gives you righteousness. Abraham isn't uh, Zechariah, or um, I'm sorry, John Baptist's father, right? Zechariah. Zechariah. Both Zechariah and Elizabeth are called righteous. blameless according to the Torah. So it is interesting that he calls him righteous. Now, I would call both of those people righteous as well. But I think the, the parallel here, the, the tie back to Abraham, leads us to believe that there is a righteousness that comes through obedience. But it is not saving faith. Because we're not saved by being righteous. We're saved by faith that God will fix the problem of sin, which your righteousness has Zippo to do with. Because your righteousness, when when used for salvific implications, is as filthy rags. It's not that you are not blameless. It's that it won't cut it. Your blamelessness won't pay the penalty. We're all In this particular case, I think Shimon probably... You have to speak loud enough for Caleb to hear you. Caleb? I think Shimon probably was 
is by the way reads. Oh yeah, was, he was in the in group. Was in the in group. In the, in the Holy group. Spirit is revealed. Well, that, that's that's where John was going. He's saying yeah. that and if the Holy Spirit's going to reveal something to him, that he must have been. Well, yeah, but even that the Holy Spirit said, "You're going to see Mashiach." Peter's on the Presbyterian. That's where he is. He is on that Presbyterian. Yes. So he was actually waiting for Messiah. So you're saying that this righteousness that of which he is speaking is actually well, it could be either. I'm saying in in this case, I think he's waiting for the coming. Okay. Well, we know he's part of Israel. I mean, oh, the Israel. All right, we're almost done, gentlemen. To do for him according to the custom of the Torah. To do for him according to the custom of the Torah. What is the custom of the Torah? Redemption of the firstborn. You know it in Hebrew? Pidyon Haben. Nice. Redemption, Pidyon Haben. How cool is that? How cool is that? Really cool? All right. So, it's interesting that uh, the word custom is used here. Well, yeah. I was going to point out, it's, it's not the first time that somebody said, as was the custom. Right. Yeshua went to the, to the synagogue on the Shabbat, as was his custom, right. But this is the custom of the Torah. And it's an interesting way to put a, an actual commandment of God. It's the custom of the Torah. Just like it's the custom of our people. It's the custom of Rick to do this. It's the custom of Gregory that's, to do that's that. That's where you get, oh, that you, you, you're doing Jewish things rather than... Yeah, exactly, exactly. He took him up in his arms. Why is that in the scripture? He took him up in his arms. Why did they put that there? It's completely superfluous. You can com- take it completely out. I think it has something to do with the custom Because it's a commandment, but the commandment is... Exactly. And they had a custom. What was the custom? The priest would take the boy. The priest would take the boy, and he's going to keep the boy. Right. And he's going to make it very clear. I get the kid. Did you want to redeem him? And he puts his hand out. You grease the palm, you get the boy. If you don't, you don't. So they went through this little game to actually perform the custom. Rather than just, you know, i got to walk in, I can put two coins in the box, and I'm on my way back in the cab, we'll go back to the galley. It, there was a... There was, I mean, have you ever seen any kind of Jewish custom that didn't have all kind of pomp and circumstance around it? I mean, we're trying to do something here to keep the Torah, and we want to let everybody around us know. And you've got to have some kind of food afterwards anyway. So, But yeah, the fact that he picked him up and took him in his arms, he's the only one. He bumps into a bunch of people in this temple trip that he's made. This is the only guy that takes the child. And it is a euphemism for the Pidyon Haben ceremony that the priest would take him in his arms. Bless God, and we go on. For the fall and rising of many in Israel. 
what in the world he's been appointed for the fall and rise of many in Yisrael. What does that mean? I mean, you got the whole story. You've even read the back of the book. What does this mean? I don't think that Mary, Joseph, had any clue. But you should. It is, isn't it? Uh, it, it, it so like, what did he know? Up or down? Fullness of the Gentiles coming in. Possible. Stumbling. Possible. Well, uh, literally, that's the, the destruction of the temple. Of the He's talking about the your own soul will be pierced, many hearts may be revealed. Is that parentheses in addition? It is. Uh, it's in parenthetical statements because it is uh, not in all of the manuscripts, but it is in some. I can't remember the verse, but um, I think it's in Revelation where they make reference to those who keep the commands and hold to the testimony. Twelve, chapter twelve, last verse. Those who hold to the testament of Jesus and keep the commandments of God. The fall and rising of many in Israel. I really think Peter's on the money here. This is one of the few times in Scripture that it's been spiritualized for us. And that we see that this is the stumbling stone. This is the rock of offense. And it will cause many to fall, as it says in that same passage. They will stumble over it. And or rise. Or rise. A sign that is opposed. The child is appointed and a sign that is opposed. The child is appointed for a He's appointed for a sign. What in the world does that mean? Well, I mean, they, the, the people who, I'm just basing this off of past history, but the people who knew or should have known who he was all throughout his life are the same people who turned on him. All the scribes, all the Pharisees. No, no, no. That's not true. That's should not. Have, that, that should have known. I'm saying are the ones who led the revolt and caused him to be crucified. Yeah, not the Pharisees. The scribes did. The Sadducees did. Some Pharisees did, but very few. Pharisees actually buried him. The Pharisees actually supported him. Some did. We don't have to say few or many because none of that is delineated in Scripture. Well, we know a few buried him. Two. Two. All right. So, I, I would ask you, what if, if I had to ask you for the sign of your faith, according to Paul's writings, what would it be? Yeshua. The cross. Really? The one mention of the cross in Corinthians? I think that that's got to be the only sign that I can think of that would be what he was appointed to. And he was appointed to die. And not just death, but death on a cross. And it became the symbol, the sign of our faith. We preach Christ and Him crucified. And think of the Hebrew word for sign that is 
Right. that resurrection was a problem for the Sadducees too. And, so, and you're not talking about the actual symbol of this no, cross no. thing. You're talking about <laughs> the I'm talking about, res- I'm talking about death and resurrection. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Alright, we move on. Well, it's death and resurrection that it could be the, the sign of Jonah, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's good. That's good. When she was a virgin, Chana bat Penuel, Seven years from when she was a virgin. What does that mean? So he was married for seven years? From when she was a virgin. She was young when her husband died. She was 19. When girls get married, they're virgins. That's what it means. Okay. That doesn't say marriage. Oh, oh, oh. Which would have been against the Torah. <laughs> to speak of him to all. Well, my point was that perhaps that one year betrothal and then the marriage happens. So maybe it's. Uh... Is this when did they start to live together? When they got married. The betrothal, they didn't live together. They actually did when they got married. Is this where we get caught? Yeah, I thought. I have no so idea. she traveled have no with idea. Yosef? What are you talking about? This is yeah. This is getting into soup. This is Anna. He took him as, as his wife oh, yeah, later, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? All right. To speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. So apparently she had some buddies. Okay, she's been around a while. She's got a following. She's speaking to them of Yeshua because now she knows that he is the redemption of Jerusalem. What I can't figure out is, why doesn't she speak of the redemption of Israel? Why doesn't she speak of the redemption of God's people? Why doesn't she speak of the redemption of the Gentiles? Why doesn't she speak of the, of the redemption of those with whom God is pleased? Well, isn't when Yeshua returns again, he is coming to Okay. I think I think I got something really wild and crazy here. Uh oh. Jonathan? <laughs> You're up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think two things. Either, I mean, the, the temple, which is the focal point of the city, as we know, needs to be redeemed. It's, it's terribly corrupt. Option A. Option B. I, I wouldn't say the temple was corrupt. I would say that the people running it are, but go ahead. The temple wasn't working. Option B. Good, good, and it starts with that with the people of God and the house of God. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I'm just uh, when I compare it with other scriptures, I just see the zealots. I think Chana Bat Penuel was a zealot, just like the other zealots who wanted to see the overthrow of Rome and get them out of there, just like the Maccabees. 
She does not want these people there. And she is looking for the redemption of that city. And that speaks of the zealots. Now, I'm speculating, guys. I'm just saying that the phrasing of it seems to be like yeah. you, you like you get with, um, what's his name? Judas? Josephus. No, Judas um, was one of the zealots. Simon was a zealot. You got, you know, you got several zealots. These, these are the dagger guys, right? That's one, you know. But this also speaks, and this is just with Shimon and Hannah, but a, a lot of people will say that um, like there was no Jewish expectation for Messiah. Ah, good. But, and our, the Apostolic writings are one of the biggest proponents that of that. Have. Yes. And, I mean, obviously, they're waiting for someone. You bet. Not really, I mean, just like the disciples, they're waiting, what I think is for a physical redemption. Yes, physical. But they're still waiting for Messiah. You bet. And I would say, if, if you look to the book of Acts, what happens? 3,000. 3,000. And then right after that? 5,000. And right after that, I mean, you, you got tens of thousands of Jews. Jews that are coming to Messiah. And a lot of the priests. And this would tend to speak to that. Comment? Uh, well, just that, even the Talmud would suggest that many people were at this time knew that the Messiah was close at hand. I mean, look at the scene. That's right. They're out in the desert just waiting. I mean, how long can you wait in the desert? Gee, wait. They had performed everything according to the Torah. What did they perform? The redemption of the firstborn. Even before that? Purification. Purification of Mary and Yeshua and circumcision. Anything else? Well, but the circumcision was back. Right. That's that's true. Okay, so this is just at the at the temple, that's right. So they're in they're in Bethlehem, they go up to Jerusalem for all these things according to the Torah. They went up to this to the temple to do these things after they had done everything according to the Torah. Then they decided to take the trek back to their original home, Nazareth, in the Galil, which is like 80, 85 miles, 80 miles as the crow flies, 120 miles as, as the camel walks. Okay? So I, I, want you to, I want you to be able to see the sequence of where they went, the fact that they actually chose to make home in Beit Lechem, and that it was much, much, much later after the birth that the wise men show up. Did you notice yeah. that Joseph is mentioned every single time except when the wise men show up? He was probably passed away. Work. That's awesome. Working. Probably making the cabinets. At what point, how old is Yeshua when they're in the temple doing this stuff? Roughly. Three months, six months, somewhere in there, right? Okay. Where did they go? It says it right in the next story. They returned into the Galil. Right? Okay. 
So now they're in the Galil. I'm, I'm just trying to figure out. The wise men showed up in... They, they showed up in Jerusalem. They're told to go to Bethlehem. Did they turn down the road and go to Nath? How do you explain that, gentlemen? What, um, do you get? Did you say that they went to Bethlehem? I'm asking. Who? The wise men. The wise men were told yeah. that the that the child would be born in well, Bethlehem. According to scripture. Ah, they said they were told it would be born in Bethlehem. But they saw the star. There were the several Herods sent them sent to Bethlehem. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Right. The star so gave them the specific. Hey guys, you know. But it, but two it years. They're not in Bethlehem anymore. Come down here to the Galil. I'll show you where the guy is. Well, or up to the Galil. Yeah, or up over. To, okay. Never actually been to. Anything else, guys? You got nothing? You got nothing. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, the question is. If we understand the story to be we're in the Galil and a decree goes out from, and his name is awesome in Hebrew, what is that? Kaiser Augustus. <laughs> and they go down to Bethlehem. How old's the baby? Give me some Latin. In utero. Okay, good. So the baby is in the womb. Now, time comes... Baby is born at night. 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 But not less. Shepherds come in and see. Start evangelizing. Evangelism. Nice. It's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful now what? Go to Jerusalem. Perform all the tasks. We go to Jerusalem. We do what we got to do. What obviously happened? We waited 33 days first. Right. What obviously happened when they were done in the temple? They went home. They went home where? To Galilee. Gentlemen, you have now found yourself in a conundrum. Either the wise men went to the Galil, or they somehow found their way back to Bethlehem. Or Joseph and Mary did not go back to the Galil until they had performed everything according to the Torah, which includes calling his son out of Egypt. What? Now. <laughs> I'll paint it for you. Here we go. You're in the Galil. You got a, you got a decree. Where do they got to go? They go to Bethlehem. Oops, baby, shepherds. Wah! Great time. Two, three months into it. What do we got to do? We got to go up to Jerusalem. It's a command. So we've already had the circumcision. We go up to Jerusalem. We do everything we got to do. We see all these cool people. Where do we go? Back to Bethlehem. That's where we live. That's where we've been. They go back to Bethlehem. And they stay there. And what happens? The wise men show up in Jerusalem. And they're told, well, the king of the Jews, he's going to be born in Bethlehem. They go down to Bethlehem. It's been a couple of years. They were over a half a year in Bethlehem before they, you know, they start to go up to Jerusalem for all the stuff they got to do. Almost a half a year. Well, that's after the baby's born. We don't know how long they were in Bethlehem before the baby was born. They went down for the census. 
and the time came for her to give birth. We don't know if it was that night. You you get that from the Christmas card theology. So they go down to Bethlehem. They could have been there for quite some time. They got a census going on. Have you ever done a census? Have you ever counted people? Where is Elizabeth and Zechariah? They're further down in Hebron, in the hill country. Closer to... I'm not a geography wizard in Israel yet. Elizabeth went down to the hill country and then went all the way back up to the Galil and then comes down, married it, and then comes down later, after. That's when she's pregnant. So all I'm saying, guys, is they're in Bethlehem for at least the time that the wise men show up, two years. Then, now they're told to hightail it out of town. They go to Egypt. And now on their way back up, this verse comes to pass. They've done all according everything according to the Torah, and they return. I'm just wondering why you had to go through all that. Uh, does the does the scripture ever say that the wise men went to Bethlehem and found the child? Yes. Where? You just read it. It's in Matthew two, because verse seven. They rejoiced because they saw his star over Bethlehem, over where the child well, lay. Because it doesn't say the star was over Bethlehem. He yeah. sent them to Bethlehem, the star comes out. So you're 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 going to My break with is that the star is over is over Nazareth. Yeah, that's very clever. Because yeah. it avoids. Then why did Herod destroy all the children in Bethlehem and not in the Galilee? Because they never told him where he was. Oh. Okay. I, you know what? I thought about that this afternoon. That is a possibility. I think it's it's far fetched, but it is a possibility. Then I mean, they've they've already set up shop. You have no idea how long it takes Rome to count every person before they let you go home. I was also going to say, it's all in the, in the, the, the wise men are coming. We, we've already assumed that the star comes out when the child was born in Bethlehem. Like, so that would possibly even be after everyone's been counting. And they're just it is possible. It is possible. I was already going to say before you actually went down this direction, I was yeah. going to say the way this reads, they had performed everything according to the Torah. It almost makes me feel like that includes the prophecies. Like, well, I, that's what I think. That it just sounds more far-fetched. But also, also, <laughs> with that, also with the wise men, can you imagine the sort of ruckus, a uh, caravan of Middle Eastern dudes coming into Nazareth would make? I mean, I don't know. Well, to, to challenge the assertion, though, okay. um, why did the angel of Adonai appear to Joseph to yeah. tell him to rise and take the child? Mm. Better, better, better. Why did he tell him? And, and he had to go right there in the middle of the night because the soldiers are showing up to kill the, kill the children yeah. in Bethlehem. And, and we, we have the, the counterpart to that one is Joseph. Yeah, another dream, buddy. It's okay to go home now because the children, the, the people who sought to destroy the child are dead. So... And you didn't include the scripture here where Herod sent out the soldiers. That's correct. Is that, that is, is it just about that? It is. It is, yeah. And in all that region. And, and all that region is the second time we have the phrase about the region, because the first time we have the shepherds. 
So we got Jerusalem, Bethlehem, that whole region down there, bloodbath. Something to think about, guys. I mean, they set up home because of that census and the baby. You can only live so long waiting for these guys to show up and count you. That's one thing. But now we've had a baby. So do we now, it was bad enough coming down here ripe with child. Do we now try and carry the baby back? We could barely take the baby down to Florida, you know. <laughs> and it was also Sukkot. It was, I believe it was Sukkot, yes. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Had to go anyway. Yes. Romans are like, oh, all the Jews, are, we might as well have the census. Exactly, they're coming down. So, gentlemen, you think about it. See what you think. Maybe every single Christian commentator has been wrong all this time. It's only been 2,000 years. They've been wrong about a lot in the past. Maybe they're wrong, and the family did go back to the Galil after doing all of the temple work. But I think the phrase, they had performed everything according to the Torah, says to me all of the stuff that they had to do with him at that point had been done. It just that reads a lot into it. It does. But it fits every single piece of history. <laughs> and this mystery trip up to the Galil and then escaping from the Galil to get down to Egypt. Where do you have to go past? Jerusalem. Right past Jerusalem and Bethlehem where they're killing the kids. Wait a minute. You on the camel. Over here. With uh, the kid. That's right. With the, with the two-year-old kid. Come on over here. Swaddling club. All right. All right, we will close with uh, the Megillah, which means? The scroll. The scroll. So we're going to read the whole Megillah. We're going to read the whole scroll, right? So when do we read the whole Megillah? Where does that phrase come from? That phrase is used only at one holiday. Purim. When we read the whole scroll of Esther. That's the next holiday coming up, guys. You just had Hanukkah. I don't know what you did with Christmas, but you've made my Christmas federal holiday <laughs> amazingly <laughs> pleasing. And I am grateful for each one of you. But I do want to encourage you. Um, there's a lot of megalot, plural, for scrolls, right? There's a lot of the uh, um, story of Esther that are available, and I have a lot of them. So if you want to borrow some over the next several weeks, um, you're, you're free to do it. You can't borrow this one yet because I'm not done. Um, and this one's the cool leather stuff, so you have to guarantee you wash your hands every time you open it. Um, but it's a, it's a great story, and it speaks of redemption, and I think we should make big of it. And I think that a lot of times we don't pass Purim around. I think that we're all starting to get comfortable with um, the question. So how was your Christmas? What's your answer? It was great. We built a sukkah. We, God was dwelling with us. What a super time. Eight day 
days long. Unbelievable. We had everybody over. We got different prayers for different days. I mean, it was like two months ago. I mean, that's when we celebrated Christmas. That's when we celebrated that. But we also got Hanukkah. Now, that's a great redemption story. Let me tell you about that. It's a military thing, actually. And it talks about dedication. And you can finesse past Christmas. You should be able to fairly easily now. But I don't think as, as, as a community, we pass Purim on. It's too Jewish. There's no latkes. Gentiles don't have a clue about Purim. The hamantashen and those, those big ear cookie things, you know. This is a great story. And I'm hoping that over the next several weeks, we're going to learn enough about it that we'll have some sound bites. Because that's what our people need, right? I mean, our world doesn't deal with long treatises. They want the little sound bites. So we can give them little sound bites about God and his people. It's a good it's a good story. So I want to encourage you to study it. Start studying it now so that you're up to snuff. All right. So we're going to have a Purim party. Um, I don't know if, if the Wrights are going to be hosting it yet, but I'll ask them. <laughs> you haven't heard anything about it. But, but, we, but we don't know if it's this right or that right, you know, right or wrong. Somebody's having a Purim party. That's all I know. <laughs> all right. Let me pray for you. Father God, we thank you for the time that you've given to us. I thank you for these men, Father, and for their diligence to study the very account of your birth. Father, I pray that it would be ready on our lips, that we would argue whether or not they went down from Bethlehem or went down from Nazareth. Father, I thank you that we can argue it and look to the scriptures. What a cool thing to do, that we would be busy about your word. That's just a great reputation to have. And I pray that it would be ours, each one here. Father, I pray a special blessing on these men as the calendar year in, uh, in our world changes. And uh, there's new requirements. There's new questions. It's a new time and season for everyone out there. And I pray that as we're just in the midst of a calendar that they know nothing about, that we would be sensitive, we would be ready to give an account of the hope that lies within us with gentleness and patience. We pray these things, B'Shem Yeshua HaMashiach, Karanenu, in the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, and Lord. Amen.